Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Kings, that is Melachim Aleph. <coughs> we are in chapter 11. We are about to read verse 26. We have just read about the unfortunate decline of Shlomo's kingdom. We learned how Shlomo, how King Solomon strayed, how his heart strayed from God <coughs> because of the influence of the foreign women that he brought into his palace, into his life. (coughs) We learned how God told Shlomo and informed him that the kingdom was going to be taken away from him. At least most of the kingdom would be, uh, though not in his lifetime. And we we started to see the, um, the beginnings of decline as enemies began to appear. Enemies, foreign enemies, began to appear on on the international stage that wanted revenge against Shlomo and his kingdom. Those were Hadad from Edom who wanted to avenge what David had done to the Edomites and Rizon from Aram who wanted to revenge the the, uh, defeat that David had inflicted upon them in Aram in the area of, of Damascus. These um, those two camps are going to <coughs> become enemies of the people of Israel uh, well into the future, and we'll be reading a lot about those those um, those rivalries throughout the upcoming generations as we study the Book of Kings uh, together. Now, now today we're going to read about an enemy that arose from within Israel, who is going to be the one who tears the kingdom apart. We're not going to read about that yet. What we're going to read about his background, where he comes from. And here we go to verse 26. V'yiravam ben Nevat. This is Jeroboam, or Yiravam, the son of Nevat. <coughs> Ephrati, he was from Ephraim. <coughs> now remember, Ephraim is, is often considered the strongest, largest, and most prominent of the of, the, of what's known as the ten tribes, the tribes that eventually will, will split from Israel and create their own kingdom. And Yeravam was from that tribe of Ephraim, Min Hatsereda. He was from the place called Tsereda. V'shem Imo, and his mother's name was Tsirua, Isha Amana. Her name was Tsirua. She was a widow. So Yeravam had humble um, humble origins, uh, origins of poverty, the son of a widow, which we'll understand later his appeal as a populist uh, king later on. A lot of it comes from the fact that he wasn't uh, someone who was raised in the royal family, raised, you know, with a silver spoon, so to speak. He was raised from, you know, he, he grew up and made his way by his own, through his own work, through his own toil, through his own skills, uh, because he started off impoverished. Eved Shlomo, he was a servant of Shlomo, Vayorem Yod Bamelach, and he raised his hand against the king. Vizeha um, Dovor, and this is the story that happened. How did this occur? That he raised his hand to rebel against the king. Shlomo Bono et Hamilo. Shlomo had built <coughs> the Milo. Now, exactly what the Milo is and why it's important is unclear. We saw before that it was related to the um, the daughter of Paro. Um, uh, it related to Shlomo's wife, 
and it may have been the um, uh, uh, you know so, so, some you know the the the, uh, uh, the tradition has it that this was uh, the Milo was the uh, completing uh, was was a was an opening in the walls of Jerusalem allowing people to get in and out and Shlomo. Uh, uh, you know, used that that area and, and built up a palace to the daughter of Paro there, which blocked the ability of, of the common folk to get in, right? And um, thus, and and used it instead to build a special palace, a place for for the Pharaoh's daughter and you know Shlomo's wife and and her servants and so on. So basically, expro- taking something that was of the, for the people, for the common folk to use. And giving it to, to his foreign wife, which is really a cause of, of the downfall, which people resented that, that Shlomo was giving his foreign wife something that should have been for the public. Now, whether or not that's exactly what the Milo was is debatable. It may have been something else, but it clearly was something by building the Milo, it made the common people upset. And the sentiment would be the same, regardless of how we understand. I, I explained how Rashi understands it, which is consistent with the way Chazal understand it. But somehow, this Milo and the building up of the Milo was something that made the general population very upset. Because it took something away from them and gave it to something, to the, to the royalty, to the royal family. Sogar et taperetz ir David aviv. Uh, he built the Milo, and he closed up the openings, which, uh, which in the in the wall that surrounded uh, the city of David, his father. The city of David being the original uh, city where the capital originally was before the Jerusalem was built up and the temple was built. Yeravam was a powerful man, a powerful warrior. Vayar Shlomo etanar, and Shlomo saw this young man. Ki that he was a person who can get work done, that he was capable of getting work done. And he appointed him <coughs> over the workforce that was uh, from the entire Beit Yosef, from the, all of the descendants of Joseph. In other words, all of those from the tribes, presumably of Menashe and Ephraim, he was in charge of them. And remember, Shlomo had taken workers, labor forces from all of the all of Israel to help in the building of the capital and of the, Shlomo's various building projects, and he made Yeravam in charge. And it was in that time, that Yeravam left Jerusalem. In other words, Yeravam had gotten into a fight with the king and rebelled against the king over the building of the Milo. While prior to that, he had been appointed, you know, Shlomo had given confidence in him because he saw that he was a person of unique leadership capabilities and unique skills and so on. But you basically, it was during that time, and this is when uh, Yeravam had started fomenting a rebellion against the king. Yeravam Yatsam Yishlam, he left Jerusalem because he had to, he had to leave because <coughs> he was in danger of, of uh, the king uh, capturing him. So, Hashiloni, and Achia the Shilonite, Hanavi, the prophet, found him on the road, and he was wearing a new clothing, <coughs> presumably in order, as part of a disguise, in order that he shouldn't get caught, he was wearing this new cloak. And they are both out there in the field alone. Now, Achia Hashiloni is a prophet who 
could have been a prophet, that Shlomo could have been consult, consulted, and Shlomo could have followed his guidance. Remember, I pointed out the one unique thing about Shlomo was that he always relied on himself and his own wisdom and never had, never took advantage of the objectivity of a prophet who would come t- and tell him and be able to tell him when he was straying from the right path. Had Shlomo done that, arguably, he may not have made the mistakes that he made. He may have followed the right path to God, but Shlomo, in his own arrogance, never, never relied on others for wisdom. He only relied on his own wisdom, which ended up being what harmed him in the end. He followed his own wisdom, and eventually he was led astray. But Achia Hashiloni, who presumably would have been a prophet that could have been helping Shlomo and help keeping him on the right path, now Achia Hashiloni meets Yeravam who is eventually going to be, who is already an enemy of Shlomo, and they are out alone in the field so they can speak freely. Achia grabbed the cloak that was that he was wearing, and he tore it into 12 uh, sheets. Right, The cloak would have represented then the... Uh, united kingdom by tearing it into 12 he's showing how the people are united now but will be torn apart also when we think about this cloak we also think about what happened when king saul had had a cloak and you know and david tore a piece of the cloak which is which reminds us of this splitting of 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 the of the kingdom and he said to Yeravim as follows, You take ten of these pieces. Because so says God, the Lord of Israel, I'm going to give you ten of the tribes. And one of the tribes will remain in order you know, for my servant David, and in order Jerusalem, because I promised David, and because I promised that Jerusalem will be my chosen city, so therefore, one Shevet, one tribe will remain under the uh, uh, kingdom of David and his descendants to keep that promise, but the rest, uh, and, 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 the, and their capital will remain in Jerusalem, the city which I chose, from all the tribes of Israel. <coughs> But the other ten will go to you. <coughs> and why is this? Because he, they have forsaken me. And they have bowed down. In other words, once the king starts to bow down to all of these other idols, so do all the people that follow him. And they bow to Ashtoret, who is Elohei Tzidonin, who is the god of the Tzidonites. L'chmosh Elohei Moab, Kmosh, the god of the Moabites. L'chmosh Elohei Bnei Amon, and L'chmosh, the god of the Ammonites. They did not go in my way to do which was proper in my eyes and my rules and my laws as David his father did. I'm not going to take everything away from him. I will allow him to be the king all of his life. And this word nasid generally is a leader but a notch below king. So Shlomo is already slightly but he's not Melech anymore. He's being called a Nasi. Leman David Avdi, the reason why I'm allowing him to rule for the rest of his life is not for his honor, but in honor of David, my servant, Asher Bacharti, also that I chose him, Asher Shamar Mitzvotai, because he did keep my mitzvot, my, my commandments and my laws. I'm going to take the kingdom away from his son, 
and I'm going to give it to you, the ten tribes. To his son, I will give one tribe. Presumably, we know there's 12 tribes, right? So 10 plus 1 is 11. The 12th would be the, <coughs> the Levites and the priests, who presumably will be, are not, they don't have territory. So they're not one that has, they're, they're not, there's not a king over their territory. They would be divided among the rest of the tribes, and that would be the assumption here. <coughs> so if you're wondering about the math, that's how the math would work out. Um, <coughs> so to his son I will give one tribe, meaning the son of Shlomo. So that there will be a remaining light, a remaining lamp, a remaining flame, burning before my da- my servant David all days, before me in Jerusalem, the city that I chose to place my name there. And you, this is still Achia, the prophet, speaking to Yeravam, to Jeroboam, right? I will take a malachta and you will rule over every place that you wish to rule, and you will be king over Israel. And now God gives instruction to Yeravam. I'm giving you the kingdom also on conditions, which we will find later he will not keep. But... These are the conditions, and they sound very familiar. <coughs> if you listen to how I command you, and you go in my ways, and you do what's proper in my eyes, and you keep my laws and my, my commandments, just like David, my forefather, did, then I will be with you, I will build for you a trustworthy house, in other words, a house that will last for generations, just like I did for David, and I will give to you the kingdom over Israel. And I will, uh, and, and in this way, I will cause uh, pain, I will, I will punish the the descendants of David because of this sin, but it will not last forever. A hint that if everything goes according to plan, in other words, you keep the the live the way God wants you to live, and you will have for generations you will be the king. And eventually, I will stop punishing the descendants of David, presumably assuming that they follow the proper path. And one day there will be a reunification. This is this is the prophecy at this point. Remember, prophecies are that if you act in this way, then this is what's going to happen. If you act properly, then success will eventually happen, reunification. But if you don't, then unfortunately something else, something much worse will happen. And now Shlomo, what was Shlomo's reaction? It sounds very similar to King Saul's reaction, right? When there was an enemy arising, even though this enemy came about through a prophecy from God. Shlomo wanted to kill Yeravam. Vayakam Yeravam. So Yeravam Jeroboam got up. Vayivrach Mitzrayim. And he ran to Egypt. So again, Egypt ends up being the place where everyone runs for help, for salvation. Vayivrach Mitzrayim. Vayivrach Mitzrayim Admol Shlomo. And he remained in Egypt until the death of Shlomo. And all the other occurrences that happened during Solomon's reign, everything that he did, and his wisdom, they're all written in the annals 
of Solomon and Solomon's Chronicles, uh, in which it's all written. The important details for this purpose we have written here in the Book of Kings, but for more details and extent in history, look there. And Shlomo ruled over the people of Israel, of the entire Israel, from Jerusalem for 40 years. Shlomo went to rest with his forefathers and passed on. And he was buried in Ir David, in the city of David, his father. And his son, Rechavam, or Rehoboam, became king in his stead and succeeded him. And the next chapter we will read of <coughs> the rule of Rechavam and how that went and the ultimate split of the kingdom. Thank you so much for studying chapter 11 together with me. Uh, looking forward to studying chapter 12 as we continue the saga of the kings of Judea and the soon to be the kings of Israel as well. And, and we're looking forward to studying all of that together with you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.